Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you today? Doing well, Sean. Um, happy to be on here. Yeah, very, very happy. We had a we had a good day, had a good afternoon at Kroger Field for the UK football kickoff luncheon. Mark Stoops, defense coordinator Brad White, new offense coordinator Liam Cohen. First time I got to see Liam Cohen in person, Derek. I know I didn't get to get uh, out there to any of the stuff going on this summer, so it's the first time I got to see him. And the way that the kickoff luncheon goes for you all listening to the show is we kind of just uh, get together, some media, some donors. Uh, I don't know how many people were there today, Derek. It wasn't a huge crowd. Um, but a really, really nice get together there at Kroger Field. Great food, and then they do a Q and A with Tom Leach. So you got to just kind of we didn't get to ask questions, but Leach obviously talked about some things. So we're we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to talk a lot about the Kentucky basketball SEC schedule that was released today. And we don't know TV and we don't know dates, but we do know opponents. And I think now we know 29 possible games, if, given off of reports and then what we officially know from UK basketball. We're, we're starting to get a full schedule now that we're getting closer, Derek. And it's I'm going to say by what, September, we'll probably know dates. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, same with – you know, same with TV. I, I mean, it's UK. Every game's going to be on, at worst, SEC Network. Yeah. Uh, a lot of games on ESPN or ESPN2. And then, of course, you'll get those Saturday matchups on CBS. Um, initial impress- uh, impression, Sean, I mean, it's a, it's a tough schedule. You know, it's, it's part of what happens, though, whenever teams around the league elevate their game. I mean, you got a home and away with Alabama. You got a home and away with Tennessee like normal. That, those are two really difficult games. You got a home and away with LSU this year. So I think that's interesting. Um, some benefits, though, I think it's good that they don't have to go down to Starkville. I, I kind of have some respect for Mississippi State this year. They get them at home. Um, I do have to take a weird trip out to Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. Well, of course, Vanderbilt's on a weird trip. They always go there. But those are probably going to be two of the worst teams in the league. I think you're probably happy to get those games. And then you got Georgia at home. So as tough as some of the schedule is, I do think there are certainly games, and we'll see the way that they're stacked up when the schedule actually gets right. Um, but overall, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, if you're a college basketball fan, uh, you're going to have a lot of very interesting games, I think, this season when you add in the non-conference portion to what we know uh, after today with the SEC games that they're going to play. Yeah. And w- one thing that stands out to me is Arkansas doesn't have to come to Rep Arena. That was a game that I would have liked to have seen played twice this year, given where Arkansas finished in the NCAA tournament. And then looking at it, too, Xavier Wheeler does not have to go to Georgia and play. I think that's an interesting note, that he doesn't have to go there and play at a familiar place. Yeah, that is good. Um, You know. That would have been tough. That would have been tough on him, no doubt. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Georgia's – one of the few games they're probably going to get up is, you know, for Kentucky. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Savier is perceived down there. I got to think Georgia's fan base probably understands if you have the option to play at Georgia or to play at Kentucky for basketball. I'm sure if they just do kind of the flip side and say, well, if this is football, you know, and, uh, you know what I'm saying? There's ways to equate it to the situation. I think they'd probably still have some respect for Savier, but, for his sake, you know, they get to play him at Rupp. He'll be in front of a friendly crowd. You'll see some of his old buddies who are still at Georgia. Um, so that, that'll be a good thing. 
should I mean as of today I would say that should be a an easy win for this Kentucky team one game that really jumped two games really Sean I mentioned it right off the bat home and away against Alabama that was very predictable you had to know that given the year that Alabama just had and the TV ratings and how good Kentucky should be that you're going to kind of get the new kids on the block which is what Alabama is after winning the SEC regular season and the and the conference championship so they had the clean sweep last year Uh, but the other game is Arkansas yeah Arkansas came up here last year of course they beat Kentucky Kentucky did not play down there last year but that is a as good I'll just go and say it as good of an environment as any in college basketball down there at Bud Walton Arena. So I think that'll be a really difficult game because Eric Musselman should have a pretty good team down there this year. If you can go down there and pick up a win, kind of like what they did a few years ago, kind of jump-started them. Cal got thrown out. They kind of found a way um, to come back and win that game, and it, it kind of got them going. So that that could be a game. It's still a little bit hard to talk about until we get the order of these games to kind of know, hey, could this yeah. be a trap game? Could this be a – you know, but when you're talking about having Kansas in there as well at the end of January, I mean, you could have some incredibly difficult games all on a stretch yeah. uh, during that portion of the season. And that's the kind of time of the year where you're really trying to find yourself and figure out what you are for that final month of the season. Yeah. And, and looking at this, uh, obviously, too, I want to throw in it's not one of the tougher games on the schedule when you look at opponent, but they never play well at South Carolina. And, that, and that's another road trip that they have where John Calperi always managed to get tossed or something <laughs> when he goes down there. So we'll see how that goes. But looking at this schedule and the home games, Derek, a lot of Kentucky fans are all the time saying we don't get enough, you know, high-quality games at home. And I do agree with that, especially in the non-conference. Like a lot of these are neutral site. Duke's neutral site. Ohio State's neutral site. Michigan's a road game this year. That will be at Rupp in the future. Uh, Louisville is at Rupp Arena this year. But when you look at this home slate, you got Alabama. That's a great game for fans. I think that you could probably circle that one behind Louisville is one of the biggest games of the year that Kentucky fans will enjoy at Rupp Arena. They're always going to enjoy the Tennessee game, LSU, Florida. But after that, there's really not a lot on that home schedule that I don't think fans are really going to be that fired up about. No, I mean, Ole Miss doesn't really move the needle. Vanderbilt doesn't move the needle. Missouri. Um, Mississippi State. Team. I think Mississippi State will be a good game. It, it could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be a good game, given what they've added from the portal. Georgia doesn't really move it. That was still, though, up until the SEC tournament, right? Mississippi State hadn't beaten Cal. Yeah. So, not a game you really worry about losing so much because they've not come into Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky there. Uh, I would have liked to see Auburn. I would have loved to have seen Auburn at Rupp Arena in Arkansas. I would I would have loved to have seen those two as and we we talked about that with today. Well, go ahead and make your point that you were gonna say, then I'll say something. No, you, you I was gonna talk about Auburn as well. So well, you can go ahead. And, and you and I talked about Vanderbilt in the car today on the way back from uh mm-hmm. from football media or from football luncheon that their permanent opponents that they play home and away right now are Tennessee, Florida, and Vandy. Vandy makes it convenient. It's a close trip. Kentucky, a lot of Kentucky fans go. But I think that it would – man, it had been fantastic if that could have been Auburn at Rupp Arena, Auburn on the road, or Arkansas at, at Rupp Arena, Arkansas on the road. I, I think fans would have loved that more to have one of those two teams as one of the games that were up to in that slate. No question. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it's become a, a fun little rivalry that Auburn game has. Um, of course, they came up here last year. It was one of the wins Kentucky got uh, in the conference. But um, – 
you know, this is the kind of year we, we talked about it a little bit. You know, you say how many losses can the SEC champion take this year? And I think we went up to what as many as five potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think a 14 and four record could to definitely kind of, I wouldn't be stunned at all. I mean, matter of fact, if a team's any better than that, they've had a hell of a year because I look at this home schedule that I say, you know what, Kentucky, this might not be a gimme game. You look at Alabama, uh, Definitely Tennessee is another team that could come yeah. here up and beat them. They've done it many times, actually, under Rick Barnes. But then you got to talk about road games at Alabama, at Arkansas, at Auburn. At LSU. At LSU and at Tennessee. I mean, those are all games that could be difficult, man. And then, uh, you know, they got to find a way to win some of those. I don't think they're going to lose all those away games. But at the same time, you don't really expect them to run clean yeah. through it either. So I think it's very important that you take care of business in Rupp Arena this year. And I'm looking here at the schedule, and I'm looking at Texas A&M, and – I'm sitting here thinking, like, why can't I remember that matchup last year? Well, it's because it didn't get played. Yeah. They didn't play Texas A&M because the COVID canceled that, and then they never Texas did get A&M it. Texas A&M basically didn't play last year. They didn't, and they, they never did get it rescheduled. Uh, they, they lost at Ole Miss, so Ole Miss is coming to Rep Arena this year. The only two places that I've not covered a game in the SEC are Ole Miss and A&M. I've covered everywhere else. So I, I don't know if I'll be making the trip to AM this year because we're not expecting AM to be great. But if they surprise us and end up being very good, then possibly I make that trip. But just just looking at the schedule overall, it's tough. We've talked about this non-conference schedule and how brutal it is with road trips to Michigan. You added Ohio State to the CBS Sports Classic. You got Duke in New York City. You've got Louisville. You got Notre Dame. They're, you know they're going to play – they're going to have some games, Derek, that are definite wins in the non-conference, but they're also going to play some of those mid-major teams that are probably going to find themselves in a position to steal a bid or win their league. So they're going to play a really tough schedule. But the SEC – and it all depends to me on where – how this schedule is laid out. Is there a four-game stretch that is brutal where Kentucky's maybe at Alabama, at home versus Tennessee, like at Florida, something like that? that that's all going to depend on – how those how that schedule's laid out because we if you remember a couple of years ago it was back-to-back weeks it was at Arkansas at Texas Tech with that big 12 SEC challenge and then it was at Auburn like week three Kentucky won two and then at Auburn they let one slip away so that's what I'm going to look at when it comes to where do I predict Kentucky to kind of finish in the league because I, th- I think the schedule layout has a lot to do with it there's no doubt about that. I'm looking at the schedule now. When you take into account the non-conference, I mean, I think all those Power Five schools, Duke, Michigan, Ohio State, Kansas, I think are for sure going to be tournament teams. And then Notre Dame, I know that Mike Bray likes their group a lot. They think that they could be a tournament team this year. Well, there's five tournament teams, potentially, I think four for sure, that Kentucky's going to play in the non-conference. And that's not even including Louisville, who's for some reason not listed on the schedule yet on the UK's website. Louisville's another team that – uh didn't make the tournament last year, but they didn't make the tournament, right? First team out, right? Yeah, they, they didn't make it. Okay. Yeah, I kind of tuned out it, of the tournament last year. It's hard, to, it's hard to really it recall hard to what the heck happened last year. Last year. Yeah, so, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I mean, a team, though, that Louisville, it's a, it's a solid program, no matter what UK fans want to say about them. They're typically a tournament team, so you add them into the mix. Six teams um, right there, and then you got Alabama tournament team arkansas probably a tournament team lsu probably a tournament team tennessee a tournament team potentially mississippi state i think probably feel pretty good about them i saw somebody uh, i think it was uh, i can't remember who it was tweeting about there are some people have like 
Mississippi State is like a dark horse Final Four team, which really stunned me. But they did that a lot. I mean, I think they're a tournament team for sure. I wouldn't go that far to call them a sleeper uh, Final Four team. But whenever you've got, you know, um, the kid who was DJ Jeffries, who's committed to Kentucky, transferred down there. Um, they got the young, I'm forgetting his name, from North Carolina, who was linked to UK for a hot minute. Who was that? Oh, Garrison Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. He's back down there. And then they got some guys back from last year's team. Um, they did lose DJ Stewart to the NBA, which yeah. was a, a tough loss because I think he would have really helped them. But that's another solid team. So, I mean, you're talking about double-digit teams they're going to face this year who are probably going to be in the tournament. So, no matter where UK, where they finish in terms of overall ranking, I think they're certainly going to be back in the tournament this year. This will be a battle-tested team by the time it gets to late March. It will be. That, that is no doubt. That schedule is going to be tough. Uh, I think Kentucky fans are going to enjoy watching this team play this schedule, they're going to be tested 85% of the time. I honestly think they will. This league is going to be tough. Kentucky will have its chances to win the league. But there are other teams there that are wanting to take over the SEC, Derek, Alabama being one of them, the defending champion. Uh, so we'll see how this thing goes. Kentucky is certainly going to have to hustle to win the SEC. But, you know, speaking of hustle, if you enjoy listening to us here on Kentucky Daily – What's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for an initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your Kentucky Wildcats, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Or check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Derek, we had a really good lunch over at the uh, Woodford Reserve Club there at Kroger Field. And it felt good to see some faces up close again. I mean, obviously, we, we have some concerns right now with coronavirus numbers again surging in the state of Kentucky, positivity rate going up. But you and I walked out there on the kind of the balcony patio area there at Kroger Field and just, just kind of taking it all in that we're it's here. 
it's five weeks away and we're just sitting there hoping and praying that this thing gets to be normal because there was a moment there today where I got chills just kind of standing there and looking at an empty Kroger field because it was empty last year. Let's just face it. They had games at home. There was 20% capacity, but it wasn't right, Derek. But we could kind of feel it today, just the energy with football right around the corner. You can feel that heat coming off the turf, that's for sure. Just the same it's going to be at noon on September 4th. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's uh, those noon games. As much as I like it at the beginning of the year, I'm sure it's very difficult for the players. But, no, you're right. It was good to be out there. Um, I this is it's actually only the second time I've been out there for the UK football luncheon. I went in 2019, and uh, Stoops was very grateful. I think that was kind of his overall message to the to the people who were there today. And um, talking about how you know you miss things like that when you don't get to do them anymore, and how I believe him when he says this. I really do think, in terms of players and also fans, assuming as we're hoping, fingers crossed, yeah, that they I'm still hoping. stick with 100% capacity by the time the season gets here, if that's the case, I don't, I mean, this will be as probably as excited as any fan base or I mean, fan bases around the country, no doubt, but you know, for UK after what they experienced last year, I think that the Liz and a Monroe game will have a great environment. I think the fans and the players both will be very excited to, to have each other, you know, full house. And of course that first game of football season is always really exciting anyway, yeah. because it's a, you haven't lost any games yet. The, all the hopes that you might have of what the season can be are still right there in front of you. Uh, in terms of what Stoops said, nothing – these events, you're not going to get any kind of breaking news out of it. He didn't name anybody as a quarterback. <laughs> you know, he didn't uh, – some of the main takeaways, you know, I guess the name, image, and likeness thing, it's going to keep being a topic probably forever, but especially right now as we're still getting used to it. Just talked about how upfront he's been with the team about that and how he says, you know, you have to talk to the team about this and how he, he said it can divide a team. That was his words. It could divide a team. But he really likes the senior leadership with this group and uh, thinks that that won't be much of a problem. But, uh, Sean, did you did he say anything or did Liam Cohen or Brad White well, say anything that kind of stood out to you? No, and you, you and I took our laptops, right, because we were just in case something crazy goes down you, you never know baseball story during you, you you know. did which is very I'm, i look up derek's not sitting at my table he's sitting at the table in front of me and he was talking to me about this on the way over and here's here's stoops talking and then derek's like heads down and then boom next thing you know here's derek just multitasking on twitter just showing how talented he is uh great stuff from you derek but you're you're talking about stoops i don't i didn't get a lot from stoops but liam cohen i like i said it was the first time i got to see him in person i love his personality I, I just feel like there's so much more energy across the board now when he speaks and, and maybe that changes after a couple of duds in the regular season you know like we're right now I really like what he's selling I, the thing that I took away is he still hasn't made a decision on whether or not he's going to be in the booth or on the sideline I think that that's going to be something that you know he and Mark Stoops will discuss I have a feeling Derek that he's going to want to be on the sidelines but then again, you have the advantage of being up high, too, and being able to see it. But just to me, being on the sidelines, especially when you're breaking in a new offense, I think that face-to-face -face communication is going to be crucial in this first year. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. And this is something I didn't actually write in my story. And I don't know if you caught this or not, but now that I think back to it, it's interesting. If you remember when he was introducing the other coaches who were there, he named Scott Woodward as the yeah. wide receivers coach. Did you pick up on that? I did. Yeah, I did. And Jovan Bonite was there, and he mentioned Bonite, but did not give Bonite a title whenever he was talking about the coaches. So – Yeah, just said his name, didn't he? Yeah, just said his name. And he was there. I saw him. I saw Bonite there. Um, 
but it was Woodward who of course came. He, he was Liam Cohen's backup quarterback at UMass. He was at Pittsburgh last year. He's, he's listed on his bio on the website as an offensive quality control assistant, but I had heard that he was primarily working with the wide receivers this year. So I don't know if Bonite is just there to be there and Woodward's the active wide receivers coach. I don't know. That might be something to ask him on media day when it gets around. Cause that is how he introduced Woodward. Um, some other things, Cohen, uh, the same things that we that we know already. I mean, they're excited about Wandell Robinson. Yeah. You mentioned Brendan Bates as someone who's doing good things. I, again, I'm not trying to be cynical, but like that's that's what you expect. It's the next guy up. It's not really newsworthy. Uh Brad White. And again, if you if you really followed, I know it was tougher last year. If you really followed press conferences and stuff, Carrington Valentine was mentioned a lot last year. He was, he was mentioned today by Brad White as a guy he thinks can see taking a big step. So those are encouraging things, but again, it's not, there was nothing today that if you really follow the football program closely that came out of it. And and here's the thing, right? You, you can't get, when we're talking about guys standing out and doing things right now, what are they standing out in? Right. There's no practices that doesn't start until next week. Now, two weeks from now, two and a half weeks from now, when you start hearing these things about this guy's looking good or I'm hearing that this guy's standing out, that's when you really take it. And you go, okay, we're talking three weeks out from kickoff, and this guy's doing this. You, there's a guy there, Derek, somewhere, probably on both sides of the ball, that we're not talking about, that we're not thinking about, that when Mark Stoops takes the podium or Liam Cohen, Brad White, however they decide to do inter- interviews this fall, there's going to be a guy here in about two and a half weeks that we're going to that's going to be popping up and we're going to be like, okay, we want him factoring in that guy. It yep. happens every fall camp. I mean, it basically happened in the spring with Levan Thomas. I mean, yeah. I, I would have written Levan off as someone who would have just graduated and gone on with their life, honestly, but he was really making waves before he got injured. So it's really unfortunate when you think about that. I mean, Hey, you think about it this way, Sean, and every team's going to have injuries, but you know, they were counting on Levan this year. So you got Cleveland and Upshaw already before you even got to fall camp who are out for the season. That's, that's pretty tough luck already, I think, for Kentucky's offense. So obviously that's why it's really important to build depth. You hope that you can get through fall relatively healthy. But, I mean, think about some of the guys Kentucky's lost in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Cole Mosier, Dorian Baker, Landon Young. I mean, there have been some important guys on that offense that they've – I'm probably forgetting some guys too, but those are the ones that stick out in my mind. So you want to try to avoid that best you can. Uh, but you're you're dead spot on. There will be someone a couple weeks into fall camp who who stands out and you can pencil in as a as a big time contributor. Yeah, we have, there's a lot of questions right now, and that's why we're looking forward to hopefully get to watch that practice at Fan Day because we, we'll get some questions answered. Who's going to be back there fielding punts? Who's going to be kickoff? Things like that that you kind of that certainly impact how this team's going to play. Uh, but one thing before we wrap up, uh, you were talking about what the coaches said and stuff. You know, Liam Cohen obviously talking to, talked a lot about Wondell Robinson and how he's already changed the team just in those short uh, spring practices. You mentioned Josh Ali. It's kind of open behind that, isn't it, when it comes down to that? Oh, but yeah. that's two guys, though, just those two names. I think that you've got two guys there. To me, what I would love to see out of Josh Ali I'd love to see Josh Ali become like their third down, like a third down target for one of these for one of these quarterbacks. If he can be that guy, I think Wondell Robinson and Liam talked about this today. Wondell makes has already made Josh better. Just the presence of Wondell Robinson. We knew that Josh Ali. We we talked about this. Josh Ali's not really a number one right. SEC wide receiver, but he's a very good 
piece in a group that has a true number one. And I think now they got a true one. And I think Josh could really, really benefit from Wandale getting a ton of attention. UK's ground game being very good. Josh Ali could be a guy on third down, Derek, or those situations where Kentucky needs to make a play to move the chains. I, that's where I think that he could make a massive impact this year. I'm really excited for for Ali and what he can do in this offense. You can you can say this about a lot of things, really. I mean, you could say this about how UK's um, how their whole scheme could have been different had had a quarterback stayed healthy in 2019. I mean, I still think there were probably limitations on what Terry Wilson could have been. But I do think the narrative around Josh Ali would have been different had had a quarterback stayed healthy this year or that year, excuse me, because I think he, he was basically the number three when he obviously Bowden was the clear number one. The way Ahmad Wagner was playing there early in the season, you got to kind of got to think he was their number two target, and then Ali was right there. I mean, I think that had a chance to be a, a pretty solid wide receiver yeah. core. Actually, for all the nitpicking we've done, and it's it's justified. Last year's group simply was not good enough, mm-hmm. top to bottom to win games. Uh, they had a lot of spots on the offense that just were, weren't really good enough outside of offensive line and running back. Uh, but I do think if he stays healthy, if Wondell Robinson stays healthy, Ali, I'll put him as a potential, and I don't think this will happen just because I think it's going to be tough with how many good wide receivers are in the league. But I put Ali as a guy who potentially at the end of the year could, you know, be a third-team All-SEC type guy. He's – he's if like I said, if you follow Kentucky – football even if you just look at the stats then all these numbers last year are going to stand out in terms of volume because i think he was credited with 54 catches and like the next closest guy was, was like maybe 30 fewer than him but he didn't put up big yards by any means and he only had one touchdown i think so he would obviously have to improve those numbers a lot um but he i, I agree with you he'll be a, a good number two who that third receiver is is totally up for grabs i mean could it could it be isaiah epps maybe um he's been around a long time i think he's a guy you could you could put in there, but a lot of the guys I think you look for are, are guys who might be playing behind Wandell and Ali. I mean, uh, I don't know that it's going to be someone who plays that other wide receiver position because you think about Chauncey Magwood, who I think will have a great chance to play. He's probably not going to be in a starting role. Uh, Michael Drennan, the same deal, probably not going to be in a starting role. Could any of those freshmen come in and play right away? I don't know. That's what I'm excited to see. And I'm excited. Hopefully we get to watch a couple of practices because yeah. that will give you a better idea. I don't think they're going to show us, you know, everything in practice that we can just conclude, uh, how, especially in the year where they're having a quarterback battle. Yeah. Um, but anything will help for sure. Because last year when I mean, we went in blind, <laughs> yeah. we were lucky last year they had a lot of veteran guys we knew about. This year there are some new faces that, you know, you'd like to see how they perform uh, in practice. Uh, but no, I'm excited for. It. I'm sure you can probably tell with how much I just rambled right there. I'm, I was. I mean, it's next Friday, so I mean, it's almost. It here. is. And you were talking the other day. You t- you texted me and you said, you know, I've already got ideas and I've already made plans for what I'm going to ask and what I'm going to work around at media day, because it's it's exciting. Just I'm just hoping and praying that we can get there and have the normal 100. percent Because looking at that place today, that's the last time I hope I see it empty, because I hope it's full. I mean, obviously we're going to be there for events and stuff like that. But it, it was good to get out there. Mark Stoops had a smile on his face. Everybody was in a good mood. He he really thanked the donors and the people that have their hands in the program there and, and the involvement there because he, he he talked about how hard this last year was, Derek. It was brutal. So I'm hoping that things are normal. Uh, should be a fun one. We're getting there. Like you, about five weeks out now for yep. till kickoff. We're going to be talking a lot about football, uh, the NBA draft tomorrow. So we're going to kind of shift our coverage to that. We'll 
we'll recap and do some things with that. So good luck to Kentucky's guys in the draft tomorrow. Hopefully everybody hears their name called and they live out a dream. But we'll be back to to kind of recap that and cover what else happens in football. Be looking for a mailback tweet. Going to close the month of July on a strong note, and we're moving into August, baby. And we're going to talk a lot of Kentucky football and as well as Kentucky basketball. But I want to always grateful for Blue Wire Pods, grateful for the Butcher's Pub. I made a pit stop on my way back from Lexington tonight, stopped at the Butcher's Pub in Pineville. I had the I broke the diet today. I felt like after I burned 2,000 calories yesterday doing manual labor in the backyard, Derek, that I deserved the buffalo chicken sandwich. And then I got the six-piece uh, zombie wings with the zombie sauce. Delicious. I recommend getting out there on Wing Wednesday. I, really, like six, I think it's 69-cent wings on Wing Wednesday at the Butcher's Pub. So get out to those locations at Pineville, Williamsburg, London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.